Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. This beautiful month of March, and as it's going to get warmer, we're coming into spring here in Texas. We just thank the Lord for His provision for our sermon today and for all of us gathering together and for anybody that'll ever listen. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer before we open up and read our verse, read our two scriptures, Lord, today, and let's get rolling. See what the Lord has to say to us today. Lord, we just bless you and praise you and thank you for bringing us all here this morning. Lord, what a privilege and honor it is to gather in the house of the Lord. That we can all come together, Lord, and hear what you have to say to us, Lord, and hear the truth, Lord. Thank you that this is a place of the truth. Thank you, Lord, that this is not a place of hypocrisy, Lord. Thank you that this is not a place of false religion, Lord. Thank you that this is not a place about me or any one person, Lord, but it's a it's a place about you. Thank you, Lord, for just creating this beautiful church, Lord, with all of us, this small little body here. And thank you for just helping me to learn how to teach. Continue, I pray, to give me the ability and I pray, Lord God, as people will listen, wherever they listen, Lord, as I've been asking you already, Lord, I pray that you would just open their hearts and that they would be able to see you. Open their hearts that they would be able to see the truth, the truth in your word. Open their hearts by your Holy Spirit. Work in them. Work on them. Lead them and guide them to the truth, Lord. That is why we're here, Lord God. We're here to see people grow in you. We're here to see people come to you. I just praise you and thank you for all this. And ask these things in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. So if you guys want to open up to Matthew chapter 6, go to verses 22 and 23. So this uh, scripture that we have today is one that's Many people see it a little differently. So as I was doing the research on uh, these verses, on this scripture today, I I came across a, just a real big crux. You know, it, it, uh, I went, went ahead and did an investigation on four different commentaries, five actually, uh, but only four are recorded here. Um, four different commentaries on these two verses and... Uh, well, as we'll see here in a moment, uh, really nobody nobody agreed on them at all. Nobody agreed on what they what they say. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Lord has to say here because I also, as I was reading it, the Lord gave me some amazing insight on it, and I'm going to show you what I believe the Lord shows me. It's one of those verses, it's one of those sections of Scripture where it can draw quite a few different interpretations. People can draw different interpretations off of its meaning. Um, two of the commentaries I read did not even have anything about it at all. They completely skipped the two verses and they hit the lay up your treasures in heaven before and the you cannot serve God and mammon or God and riches after and they completely disregarded the lamp of the body which is what my new King James Version titles this section of scripture they just didn't even they just forgot about them like they weren't even there uh i did read over two commentaries 
uh, that had two different fellas that had two different ideas. The first one was from John Lightfoot, studylight.org. And his thoughts were of the two eyes here being eyes of covetousness and non-covetousness because of the money context kind of around them. And the second idea was from a man named Matthew Henry, a very old, awesome, wise, godly, scholarly man. And that he took his context to mean that it was this lamp light of the body uh, was a false and true religion because of the, hence the hypocrisy that we just studied over in the you know, whole different huge piece of scripture that we got to before we started focusing on money. Uh, but, so what does this kind of thing mean? I mean, we have all these different people, we have all these different ideas that ha they have of these two different little verses right here. Uh, most of the time, the Word of God, we can draw a meaning from Scripture upon the context of what's around the verses. For instance, you read the chapter, you read the verses around the section of Scripture that you're going to study, and you can figure out what the verses that you're looking at mean. Uh, we'll call it, we will call it, I don't know if this is the professional scholarly term, but we'll call it contextual understanding. Um, you can take the whole of the chapter and the whole of the verses around and figure out what it means. And in these two particular verses, we have a seemingly different theme than the rest of the surrounding verse and chapter. In fact, being this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus switches all kinds of topics all over the place, and he really doesn't really even... He followed one little theme at one point and then switch real quick and then follow another theme and switch real quick and follow another theme. And um, Let's read the verses so we can see what we're talking about. We have, lay up your treasures in heaven before and you cannot serve God and mammon after. So let's go down to verse 22 and read it. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, there, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So when I was reading this over, God gave me an initial touch. And he kind of said, this is kind of what it means. And I really hadn't even gotten into it. And then as I got what it meant from the Lord and the whole body of our scripture will be about that and I bring no glory to myself about this it was all God and his Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me to the truth but as I looked at it God put one certain theme in my mind about this well then as I started thinking about it in my humanness I thought hmm what if I'm wrong so I went to before and I went to after and then I went to do not worry and then I went to all these other things and I thought hmm it really doesn't line up I, I wonder what it really, like if there's a contextual meaning behind this. So I went ahead and did all this research and I did these commentaries and then I saw what God had even showed me early on that not everybody can even agree on these two little verses placed right smack dab in the middle of a whole different kind of context. So does contextual understanding always interpret a difficult or a section of passage of scripture. Not always, as I hope that you'll see today. So unfortunately, because this happens, 
because we have little switches up like that and the, the scriptures don't always contextually mean what they you know what they'll say in the in a body like these two here they're kind of like they're kind of like just stuck out there in the middle of nowhere they don't they don't even look like they belong it looked like that in fact Jesus made a mistake like he should have just went from lay up your treasures in heaven to you cannot serve God and mammon and riches and it should have that would have just flowed perfect so what are, why are those in there why are those in there well because this happens because Jesus did this it's led to of course many you know it usually uh, leads to a recipe for disaster Many people then will take this section or take that section and they'll make up their own little doctrine. They'll make up their own little meaning about it. And really, in essence, a lot, some of them in Scripture you, you cannot really figure out, even contextually, even chapter-wise. And there's another way to study. We'll look at that in a minute. In a minute. Today's verses are placed in, the, in between the Scriptures of wealth and not serving mammon. I'm not going to get crazy on this here, but I am going to teach you what the Lord showed me about them. And it's interesting because what the Lord showed me about them, as we'll see here in a minute, we'll see is actually what the verses mean. And they weren't having to do anything really with the context of what's around them. And we'll see here in a moment. Uh, just understand at first, I am big. No, that's not the word. I'm huge. Well, that's not even quite it. I'm super, super humongous huge on one main thing. Reading God's word plainly. Because I believe the God that we serve is a God of super understanding. He wants, Jesus said at one point, I, I will be raised up and I will draw all men to myself. God's desire is that not, none perish and all come to repentance. God wants even the child to understand what his word means. And if God wants the child to understand what his word means, he wants to make it simple so that we don't have to make it complicated. Many times we'll make it complicated because of our doctrines. But God's word is not complicated as a whole. It's about salvation, Christ coming and dying for our sins, our response to that, and then how we're supposed to live after that. So, not trying to read into it what I want to read into it, but just reading it for what it says. Too many folks throughout time have done that, and they continue to do that. And I will have no part in it, because God's word tells us in James 3.1, My brethren, let, me, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And since I fear the Lord... Because the Bible says that no one has power over you except for the one that can cast you into hell or let you have heaven. And that would only be one that's God Almighty. That's Jesus Christ. I fear God. I don't want to get out there and teach all kinds of crazy stuff. I teach just what he shows me. And I teach only whatever lines up with scripture. And if it doesn't line up with scripture, I just simply won't teach it. I just simply won't believe it. There is another way to interpret scripture outside of contextual understanding. And that is parallel passages. Searching the word of God, taking a key word in your scripture, which is actually what God led me to do this week, and searching that key word in your concordance to see if the word of God says anything else about this particular passage or scripture or verse or section that you're looking at. Is there anywhere else in the word of God that teaches that Jesus or God taught that particular idea? And... Praise be to God, there was one. 
There was another section of scripture where Jesus taught on this very idea, but what he did was he didn't stick it between two other kind of ideas like he did in the Sermon on the Mount, which again, that, I believe the Sermon on the Mount was a whole big amount of different types of teachings about godliness and so on and so forth. And then he just was kind of throwing things out there. I will show you today that these here are actually of a huge, tremendous, deeper, deeper meaning than what they're just shoved in here because he, really he really doesn't teach on them that much. So if you go with me to Luke 11, verse 33 through 36, we'll see the other section of Scripture where Jesus taught on this idea, but we'll see what else he puts around it, and that'll help us understand what he's trying to say to us here today. Okay, Luke 11, 33, starting out. Again, he's in like a teaching type of situation. A lot of people are gathered around. You can look at verses and look at verses before and look at verses after, and you'll see that Jesus is teaching just different things again. But this time there's some interaction. One lady yells out from the crowd. There's some Pharisees there that he talks to right after this. And actually right before this, he talks about this being a wicked and evil generation. About, you know, how this wicked and evil generation looks for signs and so on and so forth. And well, right here he puts in, he starts in 1133 and he says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. Stop right there. Does that sound familiar to you? That is almost identical to you are the salt and the light of the earth in the Sermon on the Mount. So what did we come to the conclusion on the Sermon on the Mount is, let your light so shine. Well, that's the light that's within you that's shining out to others because that's the light of the Holy Spirit. That's the light of God that he lights in you when you get saved. And then what you're supposed to do as a Christian believer is let your work so shine so that the whole of the world could see. But see, we never could have got that out of verses 22 and 23 here in Matthew chapter 6 because he just kind of shoves it in between money. But in essence, he taught it more in depth. So keep going on. Verse 34 of Luke 11. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also will be full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, take heed to that light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright and shining lamp gives you light. So, exactly what I said. Those are almost verbatim words from the Sermon on the Mount, Luke 11.33. But the contextual understanding around it is we got to see that it's not about wealth or not about money, and I wanted to take you there to 1133 because we do see it's not about wealth. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about spiritual riches there in Luke 11. It's about what's inside of you. And that's our title of our message today, What's Inside of You. Enough of the messy stuff. Let's dig into what Jesus is telling us here in these two verses. Let's read them again to refresh our memories. 
verses 22 and 23, and we'll see again, we'll break it down, actual word kind of word by word, kind of <clears throat> section by section here. Read it again, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So first we see God shows me two main things. We have one main heading, and that is the lamp of the body being the eye. And we have two subpoints here. We have one good eye, and we have a bad eye. Now, the first main thought, the lamp of the body being the eye. The King James Bible says it's, he, they, they say the light of the body, because the Greek word for lamp is lyknos, or lyknos, and the definition is a lamp candle that is placed on a stand or candlestick. That's why the King James said light of the body, not lamp of the body. But as you see, even in the definition, it's a lamp candle that is placed on a stand or candlestick. So it, it really, in, a, in essence, whether King James, New King James Version, you have a lamp or light, it's the same thing. So plainly, just again, reading plainly here, Jesus is telling us that the lamp of the body is the eye. Not the lamp of the eye is the eye. But the lamp of the body is the lamp of the body is the eye. The eye is just acting like a candlestick or a candle. The head where the wick is of a candle. That's what the eye acts like. Uh, it also it, you can picture this because God helped me see these things to picture. The eye is also acting like a flashlight bulb. The head of a flashlight. You know, where the light lights up and it brights up. Or the headlight on your car. Okay? Your eye is like your headlight on your car. Now, that light in itself doesn't actually make the light. But everybody gets one. Just like every car has a light bulb. Just like every candlestick has a wick. They all have the ability to be lit. And they all have the ability to shine light. Okay, now what? So God shows me it's the lamp light of the body. So that means that the body is where the origin of the light or the darkness is from. Or the power, if you would say so. Or the no power is. Think about your flashlight. You have the light bulb, you have the head. What do you have to have to run it? you got to have batteries. Think about your candle. It's got the wick, but it's got to be lit. If that wick were to end inside the body of the candle, the candle wouldn't be burning anymore. So there has to be a wick that runs all the way throughout that whole body in order for that light to keep going. So just like your car battery, just like your car light, it has to have a battery in order to run that light. Well, think of that. The eye is just like the headlight, and the body is where your battery is, if you'll say, of that particular light, how that light shines. What the eye really is, what God shows me, is the eye is really the window into your soul. So that means when you look in somebody's eyes, 
you can either see, according to Jesus here, you can either see light in those eyes, or you can see darkness into those eyes. Don't think about it backwards, because the other people that weren't looking at Luke 11, they actually weren't looking at it you got to look at this scripture backwards. If you look at the eye, then yes, you'd see that the eye is where everything remains. But Jesus didn't say it was the eye. He said the lamp of the body is the eye, the lamp, the light of the body. What's inside of the vessel is makes the light or makes the darkness. So now the two, two main subpoints. Jesus tells us here that there are two main eyes, a good eye and a bad eye. Remember, the eye is just reflecting Whatever's inside the vessel, whatever the vessel is shining or dark, that's what the eye is going to show you. So he's really telling us here, in the deeper meaning that I was telling you about earlier, that there's a core to us human beings. And what is your core? Because your eyes will show whatever that core is. So, Look at after verses 22 and 23 for the contrast. There's a period there. The lamp of the body is the eye, period. Now he goes into the eyes. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So think about it like this. If the light that you can see out of the eyes, if somebody sees somebody's eyes and they say that's a light in there, that means the whole body is going to be full of light. But if the eyes, you see darkness in those eyes, the window into the soul is dark, then that means the whole vessel is full of darkness. The Greek words here for light and dark, not going to get into them, literally mean full of light or full of darkness. That's just simply if you're in the light or whether you're in the darkness, you're either full of light or full of darkness. So who has this light and who has the darkness? So let's look at some more scripture and we'll see and find out who has the light and who has the darkness. And we first go to, you can go with me. I'm just going to explain them over there. Just kind of like one scripture, some most of them. John 8, 12 is going to be our first one. If you want to turn there, I'll give you a moment to turn there. John 8, 12. Alright, Jesus says, And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So who had the light of life here, and who had the darkness. We see the contrast in a lot of things that Jesus said. The person that followed him, decided to follow him, had the light of life. The people that didn't follow him walked in darkness. John 12, 46. Just four chapters ahead. John 12, 46. I have come as a light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not abide 
in darkness. And that believe, of course, is not just a mental head belief. It's a trusting in, entrusting yourself to Christ. So you could read it like this. I have come as a light into the world. Whoever entrusts himself to me and puts his total trust in me shall not abide in darkness. So what he's saying though, the word abide means live in. So we already have, we have have the light of life on one side and we have abiding in darkness on the other side. So there's only two sides, notice, there's no in between. There's a either you having the light or you're abiding in darkness. This next one is, I'll give it to you right now and I'll speak about it for a moment. It's Acts 26 if you guys want to be going there. Uh, and then I'll kind of go through a little bit. This is a, a one of the times that Paul gives an account of his conversion. And so Paul is walking down the road with two companions, and all of a sudden, Jesus Christ appears to him in the heavens. And he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And so Paul kind of goes through this little discourse with Jesus. And Jesus' commission to Paul really shows us a light on our subject today, on verses 22 and 23. And it goes down to six uh, verses 17 and 18. Jesus tells Paul... 17 and 18, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I will now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by what? By faith. In me, that's how we're sanctified. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Sanctification is it's already something you have. Sanctification is when you're already in the light. God is sanctifying you to make you more perfect and more purified. So what was Paul's duty here? To go tell people about Christ? To open their eyes. To turn them from what? Just like here today. From darkness unto the light. And from what here we see an extra added, if you're in darkness, you're under the power of Satan. And God wants to use me and other preachers and Paul as well to turn you from the power of Satan unto God. So we see another level of that darkness that's inside of you. So again, we see who has the darkness and who has the light, but those have the light, are those that decide to follow Christ and put their trust in Him and follow Him and live for Him. And who has the darkness? But those who don't and live for themselves and live in sin and abide in the darkness. That means you're abiding in sinful things. Praise God for His wisdom and His understanding that He's given us on these two verses that seem so complicated. And thanks be to God for his direction by his Holy Spirit. But Jesus gives those in darkness some extra words here at the end of verse 23. Go to the end of verse 23 in Matthew. And he says, If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Why would Jesus say something like this? Well, he didn't say anything extra to the light. He didn't say anything extra to those that were of the light, those that eyes were good. Why did he give that little extra push to those 
whose light was darkness. And really think, remember, the lamp is wasn't the light. It was the light that the candle. Remember, that light has to be lit. Why did he give that extra to those in darkness? Well, here's why. Jesus always made statements like this because his desire was, was and is to make us think and contemplate where we are in him. To again, like I said already, draw all men to himself. I'll just quote it, don't go there, but back to Luke 11.35, he also said in that section, he gave a little bit of extra on there. He says, concerning the bad eye, therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. So what's he saying? Take heed. What does it mean when you hear take heed in the word of God? Warning. Hey, watch out. If you're in darkness, take heed. Be careful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When you hear take heed, that means you better pay attention. When I was first got saved, back about 13, 14 years ago, however long it was now, God gave me a commission there shortly after I got saved. And he said to me, he goes, Ed, what do you see when you walk around, when you look at people? And I said, he goes, look in their eyes and what do you see? And I didn't know the word of God like I know it today. If he would have told me that today, I would have immediately known it right away. But he said to me, what do you see when you look in their eyes? And I started looking in people's eyes everywhere I went. And I said, oh, Lord. I see death. I see darkness. And he goes, they're dead like you were. Now go tell them about me. So it wasn't even right off the bat when I first gave my life to Christ that he said, go out and tell us about me because they got darkness in them just like you did. And I want them to know about me so they can have what you have. That's God's heart. To draw all men to himself. And to bring men, like he said to Paul, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and have an inheritance among those who are already saved by faith in me. So, what does that mean for us today? Well, today we have people that are still in darkness and we have people that are of the light. What's in you? What's in you? When somebody looks in your eyes, if God were to look in your eyes, if you look in your eyes in the mirror, if I were to look in your eyes, would I see darkness? Or would I see light shining in there? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us that we'll know them by their fruits. There's another way to tell outside of the light in someone's eyes if they're really with God or if they're not with God. He says, would a good tree bear bad fruit or would a bad tree bear good fruit? So today, thanks be to God, because his heart is he wants all men to be drawn to himself. We get a chance, you will get a chance for yourselves to be your own fruit inspector. I'm going to give you some questions. That way you can think about these questions. And you can think to yourself, where am I? 
So think real, think real, get your mind focused as I give you these questions. And I want you to think about them. Just think, where am I? Am I, do I have light in me? Or do I have darkness in me? Number one. Do you go out of your way to seek and build friendships with true Christians? Or are you happy just hanging out with the guys, going drinking, doing your own thing, doing whatever you want to do, hanging out, going to parties? Which one would you say that you are? Number two. Do you see yourself having purposeful conversations with others about Christ, about the things of Christ and the ways of God? Or the things in just everyday life? How's the weather, Larry? How's this, Bobby Sue? What's going on, man? How's it going? How's the family? Are you having conversations about Christ purposefully? Do you bring up the things of God to those that are around you? Or are you just happy to live and talk about the things of the world? Nonsense stuff. Which, which are you? Number three. Do you fight temptation to sin? Or, you, or, or do you just go out every day and just do whatever you want? Live any way you want to live? Do anything you want to do? Speeds? You know, whatever. Live any way you want to live. Anytime a sinful situation comes up in your life, do you even stop yourself from just going on and on and doing that old sin? Or do you go, oh, I, I can't do that because I love God. Num number four, do you stop yourself from lying, cheating, stealing, using foul language? Or do you see yourself like everybody else around you? Language is filthy. You lie to, you know, just because you can get over on others for whatever reason? Are you dishonest in your dealings with others? Which one are you? Which fruit is coming out of you? Number five, what place do you give to God's Word in your life? Do you love God's Word? Or when's the last time you actually picked up your Bible? When's the last time you actually prayed? You just got down on your knees and called out to the Lord, Jesus, I just need you. Lord, I love you. When's the last time you did that? Or do you just wake up in the morning and don't give two thoughts about God all day long and just go on to bed? Which one are you? Number six. Do your actions and your words glorify Jesus Christ and point, in, and point others to Him? Which one are you? Which fruit do you see coming out of your life every day? Do you sleep around with ladies? Having relations outside of marriage? Do you look at women purposely and just lust after them all the time? Oh, that's all. Well, God understands. He understands. I just do this. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I can, I can do that. It doesn't matter. It's, that's, that's, God loves me. He's okay with me. Would others who know you Think your life is Christ-like? Or do you just do whatever you want and live your life for you, doing the things that only please you? What place in your life do you give to Christ-likeness? In other words, really in all those points, is your life 
Christ-centered or self-centered? So if you were honest with yourself when you answered these questions in your mind, and you said, well, you know what? No, I, I love God's Word. I seek out Christian fellowship. I, I seek out Christian friendship. Man, I love to talk to people about the Word of God. Man, I hate sin. Oh my gosh, I, God, help me, keep me from sin. Is that your prayer every day? God, keep me from evil because I don't want to sin. God, I just love you. I desire to live for you. And then you go out there every day and you live for God. And you honestly could say, I live for God in my life. then the fruit that's coming out of you would be good. That means Jesus would say, your whole body is full of light because you can't even do those things. You can't even live that Christian life unless you've had that light lit within you. You would have no desire to even do or live that life or even desire to live that life unless you loved God because you wouldn't even have the ability to do that. So I exhort you, if that was you, and you could say, yes, that's me, praise God, amen, that I would say to you, endure to the end, follower of Christ, Christian, endure to the end. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep following. Keep seeking Christian fellowship. Get out there and share God's Word more. Get into the Word of God more every day. Get on your knees and cry out to God more. Look at His ways more and fall in love with Him more. If that's you, you could say that's me. Now, if your answers were all on the side of yourself, for instance, you don't see Christian friendships and your conversations are worldly, your language is filthy and you lie for whatever reason, cheat your way through life and your actions and ways of life are all about you, then Jesus would say that your eye is bad. And your inner self is full of darkness. Because your fruit is rotten. If you examined yourself today and realized that you are that second person I described, and your life is all about you and full of sin, you must see say that Jesus you must see that Jesus says your eye is bad and your inner self is full of darkness. Please hear me now. Please. God's heart is to draw all men to Himself. So please, hear the Word of God now. It's time to do something about it before it's too late. Because if you don't do something about it now, the darkness never goes away. Ever. The darkness will always be there. You'll always be under the power of Satan. You'll always be in darkness because you heard the words of God and you didn't do anything about them. You didn't act. The Holy Spirit is right there beside you right now going, that's you, sir, or that's you, ma'am, or that's you. What are you going to do to him next to you right now saying, that's you? Because you're only seeing that's you because God's even allowing you to see that that's you. Because God is drawing you to Himself right now. The Bible says that if your life fits those things I mentioned, then you are on your way to hell. In a nutshell, no one who lives practicing sin, any kind of sin, 
and inherits eternal life? No one. No one that lives and doesn't practice righteousness. Because to not practice sin, because that's our natural tendency, even if you've got the light in you, you know I have to fight off sin every day. So your natural tendency is to fall into sin just because that's your all your flesh, that's how you were born. But as you want to love God, He'll give you the ability not to fall into that sin. And then you can stop. And But we still have to practice righteousness. We have to turn away from the sin that so easily ensnares us, as Hebrews talks about. And we have to continually and keep on turning to Christ and keep on and continually turning to Him and not living in the ways of the flesh, not living in the ways of sin, and living for God. Now you may have prayed a sinner's prayer before and you know done something like accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but I tell you right now that if you still live for you and your life is full of sin and you don't practice a Christ-like lifestyle, you are deceived and that light is not in you. No one that has the light lit in them, what did John say, can abide in darkness. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That the old is gone and the new has come. Are you a new creature today in Christ Jesus? Are you a new creation in Him? Is the Holy Spirit living within you? Are you able to live for God? Do you want to live for God? Are you living for God? Or are you living in darkness? Or are you living for the ways of yourself? Or are you living in the ways of sin? So if you care that your eye is bad and full of darkness, and you care about your eternity and having a relationship with your Creator, Christ Jesus, then please listen to the words of Paul to those of the Areopagus. And he told them in Acts 17.30, he was teaching to a whole bunch of religious people, but they weren't saved talking about how all the lives that they lived and so on and so forth, and about all the past when before Christ came. In Acts 17.30, Paul writes, Truly these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now commands that all men everywhere should repent. All men everywhere should repent. So what does it mean to Repent. Listen to Jesus in John 7. On the last day, the day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Do you realize your eye is bad now? If you realize your eye is bad, then you're thirsty. If you're living in wickedness and living in sin and living in shame, your eye is bad. And your darkness in you. Get thirsty. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm thirsty. I have to have Jesus. Let Him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That living water is the light that we read about today. In Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Beautiful indwelling light or rivers of living water 
which he says right after, but then this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus can give you the light, which is his Holy Spirit, so that you can get saved. It all depends on what you want. Do you want to keep living for you? Do you want to keep living for your sin and for yourself? Or do you even want Christ in your life now? Because you, if you don't want Him now, you're not going to want Him forever either. You make your choice now. Just like Joshua last week we read. Choose this day whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Please, if that's you, turn to Christ now and cry out to Him with all your heart. And say, God, I need Jesus because I'm darkness. I need the Savior. I need to be saved. Please, God, save me now. I don't want to live for me anymore. Please, Jesus, I need you. Please come into me and make your home in me. I want to be light for you because I want to live for you. I don't want to live for me anymore. If you just cry out to him. And the Bible says that you shall be saved. And turn from your wickedness. And even desire not to live that way anymore. And God will make it all happen. And God will save you. Jesus came, as we know, for your sins and my sins and for the sins of the world. And to as many as received and to them he gave the right to become children of God. He came. He lived a perfect life for 33 years. He died upon that old rugged cross. He died for your sins to set you free. He died for your sins. And then God sent him to hell for three days just for us. Sent him to the Abuso just for three days for us. So they could lead the captives free from there. And so he could lead us that are captive now free. And on the third day, God rose him from the dead. That all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's God's promise. If you call on the Lord right now, and you see that you're darkness, and you want to you want to be light, and you want Jesus, and you call out to him, then he will save you. That's God's promise. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this awesome day. And thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord God, for the deep meaning of this scripture that we read today. Just your desire to show men, are you darkness or are you light? You always gave these things that whoever would be seeking you, who would ever would decide to, whoever would would respond to your calling, because I believe you're calling everybody. Whoever would respond and turn to you and seek you would come across verses like this and say, wait a minute, I'm darkness. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not light. And Lord, you said these things. Take heed, warning. Therefore, if the light in you is darkness. Lord, you said these things to, to get people's attention. What if I am darkness? And then as they keep seeking, they'll learn what I learned, what I told them today, Lord. 
So I pray, dear God, that your Holy Spirit would just continue to touch people's hearts. Continue to work in people's minds and hearts and walk alongside them and continue to pull people to yourself. I pray right now that people would see that are listening that their deeds are evil. And they would realize the fruit that's coming out of their lives is evil if that's them, whoever that is. And turn to you with all their hearts and fall on their knees and cry out to God and ask you to save them and turn from their wickedness and live for you. And I pray for the Christians that heard, Lord God, I pray that we would let our light so shine so that all the world would see us. And why did you put your light? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, we are the aroma of life to those that are around us. Why did you even want that to be? Why did you say, why did you put the aroma of life in people, in those that would get saved, so that those that are around would smell and see and taste that aroma and be drawn to your Son, Jesus Christ? Lord, I pray we would be that light that you want us to be. Drawing all men to you. I pray your Holy Spirit would have free course within us and anybody that's listening to do what you want to do. And I ask these things and pray them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.